Hey friends, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests, and we try to bring each other into our hobbies with the latest news in both books and sports. And today is, I know at least my favorite, and maybe a couple listeners' favorite, sports episode. I think you're the only person who loves sports that much. That's sad. Yeah. But to preface the episodes for the week, I just wanted to mention that I might sound ridiculous because I have yet another head cold. Yeah, she's so clogged up, it's just going to sound like all nasally possibly, but you know, we're making do. Considering we can't have co-hosts in the middle of a pandemic, people can't just come to our house, so. We'll hopefully not have to deal with that too much, but it's possible. I've medicated... I have a lot of drinks next to me. Hopefully it'll be okay. (laughs) Let's hope so. Ah. So where does the sick person want to start today? With the sick person's favorite, the NHL, of course. That kind of makes sense. The head cold and ice, you know, kind of go together usually, right? It is also currently doing a mixture of rain and snow right now where we are, which is nice. It's pretty much changed over to snow now. We have a window open on my end of the room we're in. Well... As soon as I said that, it went right back to rain, so, well. It's a mixture of rain and snow, which is pretty normal for this part of Texas, so. But going back to the sports thing. Right. I don't know if you dug into this too much, because as of when I looked it up last night, I didn't see a whole lot about it, but Corey Crawford has retired from the NHL. Yeah, so to say the least, I dug into it because if it's anything related to Blackhawks, my phone automatically prompts me about it uh, in every news source now, thanks to this lovely podcast. I had like five notifications all within about an hour and a half of each other. By the way, ESPN, you're lagging. Everybody else was done long before you. It's what I've been saying about ESPN since last year. It just sucks. Yeah. Um... At least on the news department. Not so much, but at least on hockey news. We'll, we'll stay with that for sure. But Corey Crawford's obviously signed a two-year contract with New Jersey, 100% to be the backup. He was not going to be the starter. Like, everybody kind of knew that was going to be the situation, uh, which is part of what hurts so much that, like, he could have signed a one-year contract with Chicago. He was offered one. They just didn't want to commit to having him as the starter. More than likely, probably would have been the starter. Like, you know my goalie situation. Right. It's not pretty. Well, originally, he was having a disagreement because he wanted to be the, like, written in his contract he is the starter right which is not how any team is going to work right you have to adapt and change as things happen no one's gonna agree to that out the gate so he signed a two-year 7.8 million dollar contract with the new jersey devils on october 11th he hasn't practiced with the devils since january 1st and he had this like weird granted leave of absence on friday january 8th and then on the 9th i think it was announced that he was retiring right he showed up two practices, but did not partake in them. And then his leave of absence was supposed to be for personal reasons and didn't really say why. So it wasn't like a medical thing as far as I know yet. Obviously, a lot of this is being kept very under wraps. Right. Um, unless you're part of the Crawford family, you probably don't even know what's going on. Yeah. You know. Which is probably how it should be if it's a personal issue. Um, but he did end his 10-year career in a kind of a wonky place. Yeah. Uh, you know, definitely not the way I think most Stanley Cup champions want to really go out necessarily. But... Well, and you have people from the current Blackhawks team who were saying that he's still playing at a high level. So they didn't understand why he was doing this. But again, you don't necessarily need to know why he's doing it, just that he is. So I have a couple guesses. And one of them really based on the facts that the way he's played over the last two seasons and the reasons he's either been present or not present. The biggest one being his concussion problem. Right. Obviously. That, that was a big thing when I was reading up on this is a lot of people were guessing it had something to do with that. So he's missed over 80 games in the last two seasons related to concussion protocols. That's practically a whole year. That's kind of what I'm saying. So, like, he clearly... Felt 100% enough to sign a contract, but then when it came time to, like, playing, I'm thinking maybe his personal health, like, kind of leapt over the fact that he was going to be able to play in another NHL season. So he may have just been thinking, like, do I want to do this again? You know, do I want to take risk? Because as we know, there's a foundation that the Blackhawks are a part of, very closely tied in it with uh, a previous player for us who has an actual charity to do research into concussion protocols related to the NHL. Right. And really, let's call it hockey in general. And what kind of damages it can do mentally and or physically to you long term. Well, in like all sports, you have that risk too, yeah. Right. 
So I'm not shocked that he's making this decision. But at the same time, obviously with no information, it makes it very skeptical. You can make up any number of reasons why. That's why I don't like really guessing unless there's like some sort of evidence for why they've left. Like obviously you have his history with concussions and like maybe that factors into it. Maybe it has nothing to do with hockey and maybe it has everything to do with his personal life. Maybe it's something about his family, his wife kids if he has them like it could have nothing to do with him himself right but he ends his career with the statistics of a 918 save percentage which is pretty darn good for a whole 10 years you know in the nhl it's not an easy average to keep especially when you enter when he entered the nhl he literally entered at his prime like right you know he didn't really have much opportunity to get under himself it was either show up or shut up and so he he played very well at the beginning and it's kind of fallen off the horse over the last couple of years obviously yeah but his gold allowed average is 2.45 and a record of 260, 162, and 53, which pretty pretty good record, Winning you know, record. As, as a goalie. I'm questioning how long it will take him to get into the Hall of Fame. I think he's going to be a Hall of Fame goalie. He's got two Stanley Cups under his belt. So I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked with those statistics that he would make the Hall of Fame in the NHL. It's just going to be how long it's really going to take him to get there because he's not going to be a first ballot, obviously. He's not a Henrik Lundqvist or something like that. I got very distracted towards the end of what you were saying just now is because you said he had two cups under his belt. And I'm like, that trophy is huge. How does that fit in your pants? And then it got very weird from there in my brain. I'm sorry. I don't know how long it'll take him to be a Hall of Fame inductee. I don't know that's going to happen right out of the gate just because of this weirdness happening at the end of his time with the league. I think it'll probably take a couple of years before he gets inducted. Yeah. There has not been anything as far as I know from what I've read about the Blackhawks doing like a one-day contract with Crawford so that Crawford can retire as a Blackhawk. I haven't seen anything about that. I know they've done it in the past. A lot. So I expected that, but I haven't seen anything for that. It'll come. I would imagine this year the goal for the one-day contract will probably be a Marion Hosa contract just because his contract expires at the end of this season. Thank God I can start buying Hosa gear that's legit and not having to have it custom made because that's expensive um, if it comes to that. So hopefully the Blackhawks will do that this year. Maybe they'll tack Crawford on there somewhere in the season. Are you telling me I'm buying you another Hosa jersey? You're not. I'm just saying down the line it'll be a lot easier to get. Oh, okay. And not as expensive, thank goodness. But yeah, it, I don't know. As, as a Hawks fan, it's hard for me to see him go, especially when I know he still had a couple good seasons still left in him. But I just remember seeing your frustration over the past couple of years when you had Darling, who was a darling in the net and doing a very good job. And then all of a sudden they would start Crawford for what we thought was any stupid reason. And we're like, why are you even starting the old man? And like, he's not really that old, but it's just like, he hasn't been as good or as quick as Darling was for the past couple seasons. Well, the dilemma with the Darling situation really came down more to the fact that Crawford was underperforming. Darling took the opportunity, then he blew it about two or three games later. And then he had Crawford come right back into the net. And he was lights out. So I I feel like that move was more based off of just putting a little pressure on Crawford to play better. Like, listen, we know you're better than this, but you're playing like crap. So take a seat, you yeah. know. And if we're going to go into Darling's career, he's hardly even relevant in the NHL conversation anymore. So I don't know. Like, mm, I don't... Who, who's he even playing with now? Can you name it? I, I don't know who he's playing with. I don't know. He's technically, I guess, a part of the Florida Panthers. I would have never guessed because I didn't see anything about him at all this past season. So I'm not shocked to hear that really much of anything going on. I guess he joined the team this year, so he's I just, brand new. I just remember having these conversations. Like, that's not to say that that's where they are now. Yeah. It's where they were when we were talking about it. Yeah, I was just saying in general, though, that Crawford has kind of withheld the time better, I guess, is my argument. But where would you like to head to related to NHL news? So Matthew Barzal agreed to a three-year contract with the New York Islanders on Saturday. As of last night when I typed up my notes, there were no financial terms disclosed. And he was a free agent, a restricted free agent at the time of signing. So um, when I was typing my notes last night, I dug really deep to find this because, as you said, it was not very apparent, but verified it with two different sources now. It's at about $7 million, uh, a year AAV. Pretty healthy contract, to say the least. But deservedly so, Barzal is one of the big key offensive pieces for that team, so I'm not shocked. 
Is that why they signed him so late, you think? Because he wanted more money? I don't know. I think there was probably a lot of conversations going on between him, his agent, and the team. I mean, hockey's coming back this week, so I'm like... Why is everyone not already signed, sealed, delivered to camp? We'll what clarify. It's coming back for some teams. There's a couple well, teams that are on the we'll get cusp into of not that, getting that here in a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But the New Jersey Devils also signed Sammy Vatanen to a one-year deal with an AAV of $2 million. The irony behind this is the Devils traded him away for two players and a draft pick earlier in the season last year at the trade deadline yeah. to the Carolina Hurricanes. So he finished the one term, short term with Carolina and then re-signed back with uh, the New Jersey Devils. What I think is more interesting about this trade is that Vantanen actually didn't play a game with the Hurricanes in the regular season at all. Yeah. And this was due to a lower body injury, but he did play in the Stanley Cup with yeah. them. And then also this week, the Nashville Predators signed Luke Coonan. We got to see him play a little bit when we were up in Minnesota earlier this year. So Before he, the world went crazy. Yeah. Well, last year. I should say last year. Got to get used to that. It's going to be weird. But last season, to a two-year contract, though, with a AAV of $2.3 million. Um, so he'll be playing for the Predators now. So another central team. Right. And then a bigger contract, the Blue Jackets signed Oliver Bjorkstad, Bjorkstrand. Oof. I'm butchering that, I'm sure. To a your five roots year... have not taken hold in your vocal cords. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, to go on. a five-year contract with an AAV of $5.4 million. Pretty large contract. And then last but not least, the one that everybody cares about, at least that I have. I don't know if you have any other signings after this, but um, the Blackhawks signed Dylan Strom to a two-year contract with an AAV of $3 million. We literally were talking about this last week. I tweeted about it. It happened later in the day right. from when we were recording. We both said, finally. Yeah, so I'm... It was bound to happen. I'm glad to see that Strom has a, a good contract. I think he's owed probably more than $3 million a year, but I'm excited to see him get a little nicer contract than he had previously, obviously. I mean, when you're comparing it to other contracts, yeah, $3 million doesn't sound like a lot compared to NFL or any other major sports organization, but $3 million a year is actually a decent amount of money. Yeah. Most people I know don't make $3 million a year. I don't know about you. Yeah. Those are all the signings I have. I don't know if you have any more than that. I've got, I don't know. I don't like talking about rumors, but I kind of have a rumor. Okay. So there have been rumors that Matt Dumba is going to be traded at some point throughout the season, but apparently this is really getting to his head, all these rumors that are going around. He said on Thursday the 7th that he continues to want to have this relationship with the Minnesota Wild and want to remain with the Minnesota Wild. But he's been getting so flustered by people saying that he's going to get traded. Yeah. But he's played all seven of his seasons with the Wild, and he's like, why would I want to go anywhere? Yeah. He's pretty much a staple of that organization, so I'm kind of shocked that's even a conversation piece that the team is having, but... I don't know. I just... This is part of the reason that I always hate talking about rumors, despite the fact that I'm talking about them now. Because, like I said, you can get someone so worked up just talking about what the rumor is, what people are talking about, what people are saying. And it's not a fact. And, like, there's a chance that's never going to happen. So, like, the big thing with the Wild in general right now, they're in a rebuild, without a doubt. There's no arguments, if ands, or buts. They haven't competed in the last couple of years. That's why they've been firing and hiring coaches faster than the Bears hired quarterbacks at one point in time. Right. And so it's not shocking to see possibly moving big key names pieces to try to build a younger roster for the future you know add a couple stars here a couple stars there that could be future stars and then the team just kind of blows up i wouldn't be shocked to see dumbo get moved just because his contract is fairly large well i don't have a problem with making the moves that you think you need in order to make your team a better team. Obviously, that's what every team should be trying to do. Yeah, you're always trying to bolster your roster. My problem stems more from people talking about the rumors so much that you're getting into players' heads. Yeah. Like, whether this happens or not, you've messed with this guy who, at least for now, has to play with this team. And that's hard to do when you worry that your job's in jeopardy with them. Without a doubt. That's the only reason I really wanted to talk about it is because he is getting so upset and so affected by these rumors. Yeah. The last thing that I really have are three pieces of COVID news. Okay. The first being local. The Dallas Stars' first two games of the season at the Florida Panthers has been postponed 
after six players and two staff members recently tested positive for COVID. The Stars were scheduled to play the Panthers on the 14th and the 15th, and the NHL said on Friday, January 8th, that the Stars facilities were closed and Dallas likely would not play earlier than January 19th. They do have another game that is supposed to happen before then, so it sounds like that's not going to happen either. Yeah, more likely it'll be rescheduled. The nice thing with the schedule, it looks like there's about an extra week on the back end between playoffs and just for, like, makeup stuff because they realize things are going to happen. Right. So I think you're going to need more than a week, but we'll see. everything's sort of just up in there. Um, what other COVID news did you have? Well, it's my team related, so of course I would have it. I don't know if you did. I, the only COVID news I had was the Dallas Stars. I couldn't find anything else, so. The Pittsburgh Penguins canceled their training camp practices and scrimmage scheduled for Saturday, January 9th. They said the decision was made out of an abundance of caution due to potential exposure to COVID-19. Information about their schedule Sunday would come out later, so I haven't heard anything about this yet. It hasn't come up on their social media that I've seen. And they are the third NHL team in two days to have a practice impacted by COVID-19 concerns. Yeah. I don't know that this is going to have an effect on the home opener or the game prior to the home opener, but we'll see. Right. And the last bit of NHL news I have, it's frustrating, but whatever, you have to adapt. Longtime Pittsburgh Penguins radio play-by-play announcer Mike Lang will wait for vaccination before returning to the booth. Apparently, this decision was made after several discussions with his doctors. For the past two seasons, he has worked a limited schedule and only called home games, while Josh Getzov, who calls the road games, will now also do all games while waiting for Lang to get the vaccine. I'm not shocked by this. He is an old man. Very I'm old. not surprised either. Yeah. Um, when I saw that news, believe it or not, ESPN was the first one to bring that to my attention. But Your I, wife's a Penguins fan. You need to know this. Yeah. It was something I would have expected to happen, so I'm really not too torn up about it. I would rather him take as many precautions as necessary so we can have him in the future than to have him at the home games now. Right. So I don't blame them. It's a little frustrating. He says some of my favorite stuff. So he says the most ridiculous stuff. It has nothing to do with hockey most of the time. It just <laughs> says things. He says some of the greatest stuff. I love it. I guess technically this is part of COVID news. Uh, Manitoba becomes the final province to green light NHL games. So throughout the week this week, every province has been going full speed ahead with NHL, AHL based games. So. Uh, Manitoba was the final one, so Winnipeg will actually be able to play their game on the 13th that they're supposed to play. But will it make a difference? For Winnipeg, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also this week, uh, Patrice Bergeron has been named the next captain of the Bruins. He's the team's 20th captain in history. So they don't really go through captains too often in Boston. They're pretty dedicated, as it seems. uh, Well, I mean, I've only ever known your team under Taves. Yeah. That's true. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of teams stick with a captain if they can keep him around. Yeah. And then also this week, the AHL affiliates for the Blues, Panthers, and Predators have opted out of the AHL season. They will not be partaking. So I didn't see that. So um, who are those teams going to call from whenever they have to pull people up? Great question. Oh, okay. There's no information about that yet. Um, it was literally announced last night, so I'm not shocked that... A, you didn't see it. B, that it was a lacking of information beyond that. But I would imagine the players that would be part of that organization normally would probably just still do some form of practicing within the Blues organization facilities and then just kind of hopefully be ready because they won't be playing any games. So they'll probably just be doing a lot of scrimmages, I would imagine. Yeah, I was kind of shocked to hear that. I understand that the AHL predominantly makes its money from fan-based viewership, not necessarily from anything else. So it kind of makes sense to be profitable and stay in bus- as a business, you know, right? to stay afloat. So Well, and multiple leagues are having this problem with trying to get money out of sports. Correct. And so it, it's not surprising that someone further down would have that problem as well. But that's all the NHL news I have. That was okay. the last little bit I had. I feel like most of my news actually came from the NFL this week, which I'm not surprised. They're ramping up for the playoffs and teams that aren't in the playoffs are getting new coaches or losing coaches. Stuff's happening. It's that time of year. Tis the damn season, to quote Taylor Swift. Yep. 
the first bit of news that I have is John Wolford was hospitalized after suffering a neck injury versus the Seahawks. The starting quarterback has been transported to a local hospital for precautionary measures after he suffered a neck injury on a shot to his helmet somehow in the first half. I didn't see the video for this, but he apparently walked to the stretcher before he was placed in the ambulance. So like he was walking and moving and all good signs when you have a neck injury, I guess. Yeah. And if you really want to be crazy about it, he actually was trying to persuade the ambulance to drive him back to continue to let him play. And at one point, the ambulance was on its way back to the stadium. He arrived at the stadium, came out of the ambulance, and the team doctor was like, get back on the ambulance and go back. I think um, athletes, man. Yeah. Well, it's better than a heart attack, I guess. You know, it could be worse. But the crazy thing about that one injury in general is the fact that the Rams actually won. Um, After he had to leave? Well, yeah, he was the backup quarterback. He wasn't the starter. so That's yeah. not what my notes said. Well, Jared Goff started the game. Wolford came in, got hurt, and then Goff played with his injured thumb the remainder of the game. So, okay. yeah, those were the two quarterbacks that were involved. But Goff had left because of what knows happened to his, his thumb, but it was on his throwing hand, so it's not normally an injury you want as a quarterback. Pretty amazing. I didn't expect it. I definitely had the Seahawks. Uh, the Rams were the sixth seed, and the Seahawks were the third. Kind of a no-brainer. Should have been an easy one. Well. I would normally say any given Sunday, but it was on Saturday, so. Any given Saturday. Yeah. But in other injury updates, I guess, Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints has been ramping up practice this week as he works to overcome his ankle injury. Yep, he was greenlit for the game today. He missed the last three games after going on IR to allow for his injured ankle to heal, but he's on track to play with his team again against the Chicago Bears on Sunday, January 10th. Yeah, injury news is fun with New Orleans. Everybody's coming back while my team is losing people, so it's going to be a weird, weird day, I yeah. think. The Saints have also activated running back Alvin Kamara from the reserve COVID list and activated receiver Michael Thomas from their IR. Correct. Kamara missed New Orleans' last regular season game due to a positive COVID test. Thomas hasn't played since week 14, and even then he's only played in seven games this season. Yeah. He started the season off injured, so more or less the same ankle injury as far as I know. So it's just kind of been sticking with him. The thing is with tendons, once you once you get injured once, once you take the tendon too far one way or another, it's just going to keep happening. Um, with Alvin Kamara, the last game that he was in, he had six touchdowns. I'm a little worried about that. Yeah. To say the least. Um, albeit it was against the Panthers and they're a pretty garbage team. So like our defenses this year have been pretty good against running backs. When we're healthy, the dilemma is we're not, so could be interesting, to say the least. Well, we will find out in a few hours. Our listeners will already know what happened with that. Yes. No spoilers, yeah. guys. <laughs> and the Browns finally got to practice before their first playoff game in two whole decades. Yeah. Around 4.30 Eastern on Friday, after receiving approval from the league, they got their practice in the best part about it is they've got the primetime game tonight so they're the last to play and they're playing a really good team but at the same time because baker is the quarterback i have to root a little bit for the browns right now like mm. i know as an ex ou quarterback ex heisman quarterback you gotta root for the guy a little bit especially here in north texas if you don't root for ou you're either that or you're a texas fan and if you're a texas fan i get it don't root for baker understand 100 percent. but you can only do so much it's like putting lipstick on a pig. Yeah. All right, there's the Oklahoma in you. <laughs> The Browns have been dealing with COVID issues for three weeks and have been working remotely all week until Friday. So I guess they've been going over tape or whatever. Yeah, yeah, doing workouts from home and reviewing plays and strategies and all that kind of stuff, so... I don't know why my brain's like this today, but when you said they were working out from home, I imagined someone like a big burly football player in his pads and crap on his couch watching TV and doing Oreo ups to his mouth. I worry about you sometimes. Um, did you want to start with firings or we still have some more injuries on your end? I actually have something else. So okay. the Packers are planning to host 6,000 fans yep. for a divisional round game at Lambeau Field. Tickets go on sale on January 12th, which is the day that this episode is going up. 
The fans will comprise a mix of season ticket holders that got in early because they're season ticket holders and invited frontline healthcare workers and first responders. I have feelings. Well, A, if you're a frontline health person, why are you going to a game with a bunch of people that probably aren't practicing the same standards you are? And two, what if they're an asymptomatic carrier and give it to one of the fans? Like, this goes two ways. It's not a wise decision on many parts. Let's just call it what it is. I understand what they're trying to do. Like, show their appreciation. And, like, the easiest way to do that is give them some tickets. And, you know, good for them or whatever. But you look at that headline for two seconds and you think about it. And you go, oh, this might be a problem. Yeah. Or at least I did. Right down the same boat with you on that one. But on to the hirings and firings. So the Houston Texans have agreed to hire Nick Casario. Mm-hmm. He is the Patriots director of player personnel. Correct. And he will be the new GM of the Houston Texans. Not too shabby of a contract either. I didn't see his contract, but I know a few years ago the Patriots blocked him from interviewing with the Texans. Yeah. Which is weird. I've never heard of this, but apparently it's a thing. And now they finally got their GM they wanted. Yeah, so his contract's going to be for six years at $6 million a year, which makes him one of the top three highest-paid GMs in the NFL. Yikes. He must be worth a little bit of money. Hopefully Sounds he'll like turn, a lot of money. Hopefully he'll turn things around down there a little bit. I know that there's been a lot of drama in the Texas or the Houston Texan world. Well, speaking on that, so <laughs> Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans is unhappy with the process and his lack of involvement in hiring a new GM. The Texans owner, Cal McNair, previously informed Watson that he would be involved in this process and be asked to provide feedback. Apparently, this is what they're all saying in all the articles, that for Watson, the displeasure stems from his lack of involvement and not from the person they decided to hire. Yeah. So instead, he found out about the hiring on Twitter and apparently talking about drama. He hasn't spoken to the higher-ups with the Texans in the last few days, despite them calling him multiple times. Yeah, well, here's the thing. It's kind of one of those situations where you find out your ex kind of broke up with you a little bit, I feel like, and then all of a sudden the ex is like, I actually didn't want to be with that person, but here, let me call you back. I want you to be involved now. It's kind of a weird situation where, like... How do you break up with someone a little bit? Yeah, it's weird. But my point mostly being is the fact that usually speaking, quarterbacks, especially if he's a star quarterback like Deshaun Watson is, um, he came out of the quarterback class with Mitchell Trubisky and Patrick Mahomes. Two of those three being great quarterbacks. The other one, as we know, not so great. So it's just one of those situations where he deserves... To be at least involved in the conversation, I feel like. At the same time, he shouldn't be the one that goes, that's the guy. And so I think if the ownership would have been a little bit smarter about it, they would have just, hey, you know what? Jump on this conference call with us. We're going to do some interviews. You know, like just be there to listen. You don't even have to like talk. Okay, so two things. We discussed this a little bit last night when I first read this because I was blown away. One being, don't tell someone they get to help make a decision and then not let them help you make the decision. Right. Two, who the F is this guy? Like, in my opinion, as a non-sports person, because it's like you are a cog in a machine trying to determine who's going to turn the machine on and off. Like, that's a little weird to me. Like, you have the GM so far up above you, and you're just a player on the field. I don't get it. But also, this probably stems a little bit from the fact that I was in the military. And, like, you're a little thing. You don't get to make those decisions. But that's just how I felt when I was reading it. Yeah, so... If you acted like that as an owner, you would have players asking for trades every single day. Good thing I don't own a sports team. Yeah, because that would be bad. You're like, listen, you're just here to make me money. That's really the way that sounds. Okay, I wouldn't talk to people like that, but that is also how it works. (laughs) I'm sorry. That is exactly how sports work. Yeah. It would be a very quickly failed business if you were leading it. That's all I'm saying based on that that, that opinion. Right. Shoot, even the, just the employees I manage, I don't talk like that. Be like, listen, you're just here to sell things. Like, I would never talk to an actual person like that, but I'm saying that's how this whole thing runs. <laughs> Talking to you, my husband, who is not someone who works under me in sports. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that one. The Dolphins offensive coordinator, Chan... Gailey 
resigns after one season. This means the Miami Dolphins will have a new offensive coordinator for the fifth straight year. He apparently came out of a four-year retirement to join the Dolphins for this season. I don't know why you would come out of retirement just for a year, but whatever. Again, this kind of comes down to personal life more than likely. It's very possible that he realized that he didn't enjoy being unretired more than likely. It's one of those situations where... I'm not shocked. He's an older guy. He originally retired because he didn't want to do it anymore. He wanted to spend more time with family. So, you know, he maybe came back and realized, I don't like this, and just went back to being retired. Honestly, I I would imagine that's the reason. Right. Well, and, like, the higher-ups said that they wanted to keep everyone. Yeah. And then this guy's like, nope, bye. Well, the offense was finally getting its act together for the Dolphins, and... My GM will be the first to attest to it as he's a Dolphins fan. He was pretty excited about this year. And then it just seemed like they couldn't get that rhythm back together in the last couple games. And they were in the situation they were in, which is out of the playoffs. So shocked, not shocked. The Dallas Cowboys have relieved defensive coordinator Mike Nolan of his duties after one season. In addition to firing Nolan, the Cowboys also fired defensive line coach Jim Tomsula. Mm Mm-hmm. Coach Mike McCarthy said in a statement, I am appreciative of my relationships with both Mike and Jim, and I am grateful for the contributions that both of them have made to our team under difficult circumstances in 2020. Yeah, I'm not shocked to see both of these people fired, and I'm really shocked that they're not doing a complete rebuild on the defensive side of coaching staff completely. They led the team to its worst defense in the history of the team. They give up more points on average per game than ever before in a normal season. They average 29.6 points per game that the defense is giving up, which is... A lot of... That's It's hard to win games when you're down 30 points giving them up every single time. So, yeah, it was, it was an ugly year for the Cowboys. They almost made the playoffs, but that's because they play in the worst division in the NFL, and it will be the worst division next year and probably the year after that. So what changes that? Better coaching. Yeah. Truly. <laughs> Because they have the talent. There's no argument. They have great defensive players. Just no direction, it seemed. Mm -hmm. Mike McCarthy's a very nice man. I would have used a lot fouler words. Yeah. That is the stuff he says in public. You don't want to know what he says in private. Behind closed doors. The Jacksonville Jaguars held a meeting with Urban Mayer on Friday, January 8th. Meyer. Meyer. Yeah, like Oscar Meyer Wiener. Okay. To discuss the team's head coaching vacancy... The Jaguars have already interviewed Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Blindamy. Yes, pretty oh, close. Okay. I'll let it slide. And Falcons interim coach Raheem Morris with 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sally scheduled for Saturday, January 9th. Is it S-A-L-E-H? Yeah. Okay. Jaguars owner Shad Khan intends to run a thorough process and consider all his options. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of coaches moving around this year. Uh, I thought last year was the one where it was going to be kind of crazy, but this year was like, hey, 2020, you did great. 2021, I got you. Hold my beer. Like, it's kind of scary how many people are being let go and how many people are being interviewed for jobs and all that kind of nonsense. I think part of this might stem from financial issues. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with there were a lot of teams this year that played mediocre football and that's what made a lot of the divisions very competitive at the top if you were one of the two teams in the top of the division you had a lot of wins and very few losses and the other end of it there were a lot of losing teams unlike normal where it's a little more balanced you have a lot more teams near like 500 it was not like that this year so i'm not 100 shocked yeah do you have any more hiring or firing? Oh, yes, I do. So, okay. uh, Jim Schwartz, uh, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, has left after five seasons as the defensive coordinator. His last season, kind of along the same situation as the Cowboys' defensive coordinator, was not a good year. Uh, they were 4-11 and and 1, I believe, because they had a draw this season, which is very rare in football, but a tie, I guess, is the correct term. But again, the defense for the Eagles has been an up-and-down roller coaster, and it's been down a lot lately, so... I'm not shocked to see him separate. At least he left without being terminated, I guess. That's, you know, a win there. Also, John Elway steps down as Broncos GM after 10 years in the role. He figures he's balancing too much work is what his argument is. He's going to step into president of football operations and allow the team to hire a GM who can be more focused on the role. Uh, He has realized that that was a big problem for him. The Chargers this past week also fired Anthony Lynn after his second straight losing season. He was the head coach for the Chargers for four seasons. His final record as head coach was 33-31, and which still winning record, 
but the last two seasons have been pretty pretty ugly. So, uh, but you were also talking about the Jaguars. They fired the head coach Doug Maroney. He took the team to a single AFC championship game in his first season as the head coach. And since he's had three straight losing seasons, the Jaguars this season were 1-15. And, and his final record as a head coach was 23-43. and 43. That makes a lot more sense. Fire a coach that's 23-43. and 43. Like, the losing record makes 100% sense. Off with his head. But that's all the firings I have. Matt Schaub, who was a quarterback for the Houston Texans and then has kind of bounced around as a backup gig everywhere he's gone since, uh, retired after his 16th season in the NFL. He finished playing out with this season with the Atlanta Falcons. But that's all the hiring and firings I have. I do have a funny story, I guess, a little bit. Why um, don't we have you do your funny story after my next story? Because okay. my next story makes me angry. Okay, cool, great. Let's do it. The Raiders running back, Josh Jacobs, was booked on suspicion of driving under the influence early Monday morning in Las Vegas. Police officers responded to a single vehicle collision around 4.45 a.m. Jacobs sustained minor injuries from the crash and was transported to a local hospital. He was then transported to the Clark County Detention Center after being treated for his injuries, where he was booked on a DUI charge. I'm never shocked by Raiders getting arrested. That might be the bias of me being a Chargers fan when I was a kid, but at the same time... I don't have a problem with people getting arrested. You know, you do what you do, get arrested, whatever. What the is wrong with you that you think drinking and driving is okay like there are a thousand other options there are literally apps and apps and apps that you can use to get a ride from point a to point b without ever having to get behind the wheel of a car right and especially if you are on a pro sports team you can financially afford a $15 ride somewhere. I'll, I'll be Words. A, U- Uber isn't usually $15 for most places. It's more like $50 depending on what you're doing. But yeah, I get your point. There are options on the table. He's getting paid millions of dollars. He can afford to do a, He a could ride. afford a $200 ride somewhere, if we're being honest. He could probably afford a $2,000 ride. It's a lot cheaper than getting a DUI, usually speaking, too. Well, especially if you're going to talk about diminished value over time because of the fact that you have a DUI now and no one wants to pay you for anything anymore right with my story i actually have a uh, photo so i'm I'm excited i'm gonna show it to you so alex smith had his old leg brace from his surgeries turned into something uh i'm gonna show it to you you may or may not recognize it just because sports is he becoming iron man no but that would be so great is He... he becoming the winter soldier no he he turned it into a sculpture so is it a baseball bat you can just show it to me the nfl quarterback that recovered and he made a baseball bat out of his thing no he made the lombardi trophy so it's the championship trophy of the nfl and he has it in his house as a goal now because he's made it beyond this injury that he was supposed to never recover from so now his goal is to get a lombardi trophy well, that's all serious and stuff. It's kind of cool, though. It's really neat. It looks really accurate in consideration. I don't know what the what trophy is, is supposed to look like, oh, but I... Goodness gracious. <laughs> you started a podcast with your wife who doesn't know anything about sports, and then you expect me to know things about sports. That's the Lombardi trophy. Oh, yeah, that's not far off. Yeah, thank you. Jeez. Albeit, it makes me a little proud that you don't know because it's named after a coach from the Packers. But at the same time, it hurts a little bit. It's the trophy you win when you... Win the championship, the NFL championship. The Super Super Bowl? Bowl? Yes. Yeah. Let's just call it the Super Bowl trophy then. Anyways. Why can't we call it that? You're right. You're right. We'll just keep (laughs) moving on for my sake. So as you were talking about, we had Super wild card weekend as i've been making fun of it in like the monster truck rally voices all weekend long uh why is it that is there an abnormal amount of teams going into the wild card bingo you nailed it um that's that's the big thing there uh so this week we had the number two seed bills playing the colts which are the number seven seed the Bills squeaked this one out. Everybody in the world, I would imagine, except for maybe Colts fans who are like diehards, but 
secretly they probably even admit it to, were not expected to even make this game close. Okay. This was supposed to be an absolute blowout, and they won by three points. And Philip Rivers, if he wasn't such a bad quarterback in the two-minute warning, he's made comebacks. So, like, the record of fourth-quarter comebacks is really good for him. But his two-minute time usage has always been awful. Since he was in San Diego and then to L.A. and now to Indianapolis, he's awful in the two-minute warning. And it showed. And for the sake of the Bills... That's who was on the other side of the ball trying to score the, you know, game-winning field goal or, or touchdown or game-tying field goal and game-winning touchdown. But it is the first playoff win for the Bills in 25 years. So I'm sure the Bills Mafia fans are losing their mind right now. Probably were yesterday as well. Is that the one you wanted to win? I honestly was rooting for Philip Rivers just because he's coming up to one of his final seasons more than likely in his career. It very well may have been his last game ever in the NFL. So I personally would sign him for another season because there's really not anybody the Colts are going to be able to pick in the draft that's going to be much better. Realistically, he played well this year. So like, why would you take that away from him? But as we spoke earlier, the Rams upset the Seahawks 30 to 20, and that was the sixth seed defeating the third. The Buccaneers defeated Washington football team. That was the fifth and fourth seed games, and that was 31 to 23. So Tom Brady continues his terror in the playoffs in the NFL, just on the other side of the United States, north-south. So that guy just can't do anything but win games, it seems. So And be a jerk. And be a jerk. Why do you say that? I just don't like him. Yeah. And then today, uh, we'll go over this a little bit here. We have three games on the docket. One of them may have already started, or very soon starting from when we're recording. Yep, it's already started. I won't let you know the score of it because it may sway your opinions on uh, who you're going to pick. But we're going to do Liberty's Picks for the Wild Card Weekend Day Do right? So the first game of the morning is going to be between the Ravens and the Titans. The Ravens are the number five seed team and the Titans are the number four seed team. They're both very high-powered offenses. I would give a slight edge to the Titans' defense, but that's not to dismiss the fact that the Ravens also have a very good defense. Lamar Jackson is the quarterback of the Ravens. He has a great run game, but he's also a deep ball threat, so he can throw the ball really deep to good receivers. And the Titans, they got a good quarterback. He's going to get the job done, and they've got the number one running back in the NFL. So who's going to be your pick? Who are you picking in this one? I'm not going to ask you scores. I just want to hear win-loss. The Ravens. You think the Ravens are going to win? Yes. Is there a particular reason you're rooting for the Ravens? Well, it sounds like it's been upset all weekend, so we're going to go with that. We're going to roll with the upsets, huh? But also, I like the mascot better. You like Ravens? Yeah. Because you're a Ravenclaw? Should have known that that was going to be how you're going to pick. Actually, I should be rooting for the Eagles if it's because I'm a Ravenclaw. Technically, yes. Yeah. And then the next game, we have the Bears and the Saints. I won't judge you if you don't root for the Bears on this one. So here's the thing. Because we talked all about why I think the Saints are going to possibly win this game already. So here's the thing. I think the Saints are going to win. But in order to not have my home life suck, I would like the Bears to win. (laughs) Um, So I will be rooting for the Bears. I just have very low hopes. Yeah. Well, uh, that's fair. I think a lot of the sports analysts are basically saying if the Bears defense plays well and somehow Mitch Trubisky does something not wrong, the Bears will win the game. If the Saints play the way the Saints play and the Bears defense plays mediocre, it's over. It's going to be a butt whooping. Here's the thing. Mitch Trubisky plays good halves of football games. He doesn't know how to play a good full game of football. So, like, unless you're going to have someone sub in when he starts to suck... Yeah. You are probably not going to win this one. And the last game is between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. Though you didn't tell me anything about these teams. (laughs) Well, the Browns are the sixth seed and the Steelers are the third seed. So it's probably not a bad guess in that instance. And the Browns are the Browns. They made the playoffs, but what are they really going to do from that point on? I said Pittsburgh because that's where my hockey team is located. But also, like I said earlier, you can only do so much with this little pig wearing lipstick. Yeah, so that's all the NFL news I have then. And that instance, we rounded it off with your picks. We'll see how you did, you know. No spoilers, guys. Yeah. For the Major League Baseball, I only have two stories. I have more than that, so I'm excited. F. Okay. So the Nationals, get your giggles out so I can talk. The F got me. (laughs) Go ahead. 
The Nationals came to a one-year agreement with former Cubs slugger Kyle Schwarber. Nailed it. Terms were not disclosed, but a source close to MLB.com said that the deal was worth $10 million. Yep, that's correct. Schwarber told the GM Mike Rizzo that he isn't approaching it as a one-year deal. He told them that he was going to give them everything he has, like we're in some B-rated sports movie. Yeah, it's kind of the way Kyle Schwarber is, so I'm not shocked to hear that. And the only other thing I had is that the Phillies have acquired right-hander Sam Coonrod from the San Francisco Giants. Didn't even make my news. In exchange for right-hander Carson Ragsdale. Hmm. That's all I know about it. It's great. Those Um, last names, though, are A+. So the Dodgers also did a little bit of signing this week. They signed Blake Trinan, basically re-signed, they extended him, to a two-year $17.5 million contract. So no big deal, you know, a little bit of money. He's been one of their more dominant relief pitchers out of the bullpen, so it kind of makes sense for them to spend some money on securing the bullpen up a little bit better. Also this week in news of the Dodgers, sadly, and this is a rough bit of information because if you're a fan of the organization, you know who this gentleman is. Tommy Lasorda died last Thursday. He was 93 years old. Lasorda was the head coach of the Dodgers from 1976 until 1996. He coached the team for a full 19 seasons and two partial seasons. During his tenure as the head coach, he led the team to seven postseason appearances, won the National League title um, or championship four times, and took home two World Series titles. He was basically the one of the longest-running head coaches in the history of baseball, so it's a bummer to see him go. And as I've learned, somehow a direct attachment to a family member of mine now, which is kind of weird. So, well, it's more like a six degrees of separation, all Kevin Bacon, but yeah, yeah. In this instance, Tommy Lasorda. So, as somebody who was a baseball fan for a number of years, and I still am, it's sad to see a guy like that go because, like, he he lived, breathed baseball, no matter where he went, and he was a good representation of it. So it wasn't like you know, in the old era of baseball, where a lot of head coaches were alcoholic, abusive type situations, like they'd abuse alcohol and whatnot. And so he was kind of always somebody to look up to, like, especially if you were trying to become a coach, you know, so it's, it's kind of a bummer to see him go. But I guess on brighter news, the New York Mets this week acquired Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco in a trade from the Cleveland Indians. There's a lot of people saying that the central division of the American League is giving up based on the performance between the Twins and the White Sox uh, offseason grabs and signings. The Indians are going to end up receiving shortstops Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, and pitching prospect Josh Wolf and outfielder Isaiah Green. So it was a total of six players being moved, you know, team to team. And then also this week, the Padres traded Greg Allen to the New York Yankees. The Padres received reliever James Reeves. I really don't know too much about either of those players, but it was one of the more prominent talked about trades, so I figured I would mention it. If it makes you feel better, I don't know anyone we've talked about yet. Okay, well, Francisco Lindor is probably one of the best athletes that the Indians had, so they traded away pretty much one of their stars. Oh, okay. So it was kind of a big, that was a big, big trade. So, But that's all the MLB news I have. It was kind of a light week, but I did have more than you, so... Figured I would I'm not mention surprised. that ahead of time. And it looks like I also have a lot of NBA news, though I don't remember having this much last night when I wrote my notes. So I'm if scared. Makes you feeling better? I barely have any. So this is going to be a weird balance. Here we go. All right. So thanks to a combination of the COVID virus and the injuries that are currently plaguing this team, the 76ers are only going to be playing or have only played with seven players against the Nuggets. Yeah. The team was depleted from injuries and players that were part of the health and safety protocols related to COVID. And they did, in fact, play with only seven players, according to the quick view-in we saw last night. Yeah, what's kind of even crazier about it is the fact that they at one point had a 10-point lead. Right. (laughs) But when you don't have enough players to substitute, go figure the players in the court are going to get tired fast. Yeah. And it showed by the end of the game, and Denver Nuggets just kind of took it over in the last bit of the third and basically ran the floor in the fourth. But they weren't losing by a lot when we checked in, right? No, um, they actually barely lost the game. Uh, So what does that say about our favorite, the Nuggies? 
they're not they're not playing as great. It ended up being one fifteen to one oh three, so really not. That's too not bad. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Considering there's only seven of you. Yeah. Like not bad. Yeah. Your points were by far less spread out than they normally would be. <laughs> Go figure. So apparently there's a player by the name of Joe Inglis who had a streak of three hundred and eighty four consecutive games played, but that has ended thanks to an Achilles tendon injury. The veteran Jazz Ford hasn't missed a game since December 16th of 2015. He was that annoying kid who every year got the freaking attendance, attendance award. award. <laughs> now, Corey Joseph is that guy of the Sacramento Kings. He now holds the longest active record of consecutive games played with 275. So he had a big gap between the two of them, but there was no one in between there. Yeah. And speaking of from earlier, when we were talking hockey, another Dallas team is having to deal with COVID-related things. Go figure, considering we're one of the biggest hotspots in the United States right now. Yay, Texas! The Dallas Mavericks will be without three players due to health and safety protocols. The Mavericks will be down two starters and a key bench player in their Saturday game against Orlando. Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Jalen Brunson are all out for the game. These are Dallas's third, fourth, and fifth leading scorers. Nice. Those are down. Those are guys that you really want to be out for sure. If it makes you feel any better, they still won 112 to 98, so it wasn't really a bad thing. <laughs> Other people had to step up, I guess. Clearly. The Detroit Pistons rookie guard Killian Hayes had an MRI on Tuesday, January 5th, that revealed a torn labrum in his right hip. The team announced his condition on Wednesday, but did not give a timeline for his expected recovery. Surprise, surprise. You have yeah. to have your surgery before they tell you when you'll feel better. Makes sense. They need to know what, if anything went wrong. So that kind of is a no-brainer. I've got more COVID news before we go anywhere else. So if we're still on the subject. Okay. Um, this week, we had two star players that both tested positive. You had Kevin Durant, who's out. 10 to 14 days. Also, more recently, just as of yesterday, as far as I know, Jason Tatum tested positive for COVID-19, and he'll be sitting out all games and practices for the next 10 to 14 days. Who is he with? uh, The Boston Celtics. Okay. So Durant is with the Nets, and then Tatum's with the Celtics. Okay. Speaking of COVID, the NBA is adopting a tougher policy regarding masks telling teams on Monday that players on the active roster will have to wear the face coverings on the bench, in the bench area, until they enter the games. Among the new rules, which take effect on Tuesday, players who are dressed for games and eligible to participate must wear a face mask until they enter the game. All players and coaches must wear face masks when outside the team environment if they are around other players and coaches. And players must report the names of any private trainer, therapist, chiropractor, or other specialist who they work with outside the team facility. All kind of makes sense. They're just getting a little bit more protective over the players, which I think is a good thing. Well, they're not in a bubble anymore. They have to do something. Yeah. And the last thing of NBA news is also kind of social justice news. The Milwaukee Bucks issued a statement after the DA declined charges in the Jacob Blake shooting. Blake was shot and gravely wounded by a police officer in August. The statement says, The Bucks organization remains firmly against excessive use of force by law enforcement. This past year shed light on the ongoing racial injustices facing our African-American and other marginalized communities. Reoccurring instances of excessive use of force and immediate escalation when engaging the black community must stop. We will continue to work to enact policy changes so these incidents no longer exist. As an organization, we remain strongly committed to addressing issues of social injustice and anti-racism and to make meaningful change for African Americans and all marginalized members of our community. It's not a bad place to stand, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. They're trying to be on the right side of history. Right. I don't want to go too far down this road because we've definitely talked about this before. I think everybody pretty much, if you've listened to our old episodes, know where we stand on this subject. And it, there's no questions about it, so... And if you're looking at what happened on Wednesday, you can see that police know how to not escalate the force. And they choose to do it when dealing with people who are not white. And so that's all I'll say there. Yeah. 
Also this week, on a little bit more cheerful note, LaMelo Ball becomes the youngest player to record a triple-double in NBA history. Uh, his team won the game against the Atlanta Hawks 113-105. to 105. He put up 22 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists. There's a lot of talk that originally that this was not going to be the best of the three Ball brothers in the NBA. Uh, now there's only two because the eldest uh, got dropped from a roster due to performance. So, I don't know, man. The young kid seems to be really great so far. He's by no means trying to be the highest scorer. He's the guy that's willing to dish out the assists, kind of like Crosby, I guess, to that extent. He's never been like, I want to be the number one goal scorer. He wants to be the best all-around player for the organization, and he's doing it very, very well. So uh, That's hope- good for him. Uh, what's a triple-double? So I just explained it to you. Triple-double, so double meaning two, like uh, 10 or higher in a category, so two numbers, digits, and the triple is based off of points, rebounds, and assists. So he has 22 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists in the game. A triple-double. Well, you know we root for an underdog here. So if he wasn't supposed to be the best, I hope he is the best out of all of his brothers. Well, he's the younger sibling too, which I know means he has your support at least. Younger siblings are way better than anyone gives us credit for. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. As an older sibling, I deny that, but <laughs> to the end of the earth. But just the same, uh, yeah, he was able to meet that feat of the 22 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists, completing the triple-double. So it's exciting. Also this week, the Raptors set a franchise record for points by defeating the Kings 144 to 123. So it's the most amount of points that have been scored in regulation time by their team ever in the history. So I'm telling you, in 10 years, it's going to be like 220 to 190. No more defense, just slam dunks everywhere. But that's pretty much all the NBA news I have for the week. I really kind of kept it light just because I could go into scores and breakdowns and like upsets and things like that. But like, if you're going to be a sports fan, you're probably already going to look into that at least a little bit yourself. As far as soccer goes, did you find any MLS news? No. I'll be honest, I didn't look. Yeah. So. So the MLS submitted a verbal proposal to the MLS Players Association on Tuesday, January 5th in which it won't insist on salary cuts from the upcoming season in exchange for extending the current collective bargaining agreement for two years. Here's the thing. In extending the current CBA, it would freeze compensation growth between 2021 and 2022, which could help save MLS between 100 to $110 million over the life of the CBA. Okay. So... While it seems all nice and good that they're not going to cut players' contracts, I don't know that the players' contracts really meet up to that 100 to $110 million. So it just sounds like, to me, the MLS is choosing the option that will give them back the most money in their pocket. Because as we discussed last week, they lost about a billion dollars last year in revenue. I don't know. I always feel like I'm on the Players Association side when we discuss how things work between the league and the Players Association. Right. It always seems to me like the league is trying to do something shady. So, like, maybe they'll come out and explain more of what they're trying to do, and it won't sound so bad. I'm sure they will at some point or another. And then it sounds like the MLS is also trying to take over the sale process of Real Salt Lake from that owner. They announced that this week that they're going to help try to attract ownership to the organization. Basically, from my understanding, because I didn't read the article that you're talking about, my understanding is Salt Lake had this problem with an owner who's full of crap and a racist. And so they're trying to unload the team. The league's trying to unload the team on someone else. Yeah, he was given till the 8th to find a buyer and was unsuccessful. So now they're basically stepping in and going, we'll find somebody, don't worry about it. I'm not shocked to uh, see somebody jump in and try to push that along. I didn't really keep up with the Bundesliga news, really. There wouldn't seem like there was too much going on, obviously. Some movement in the top five. Bayern still sits in first place. They've won three of their last five, drawn one and lost one. They lost to Modern Gladbach yesterday uh, in a 3-2 loss. I definitely thought my team was turning it back on because we were down at one point, 1-0, then we were up 2-1. to one. And I'm like, here we go, it's going to be a good game. And then Modern Gladbach scored two more goals unanswered. And I was just like, oof. Um, I haven't gotten the chance to watch the highlights. I'm sure they're not pretty, but... 
I watched them at some point today and comments about them maybe on Twitter a little bit. Red Bull Leipzig is in second place. They also lost this weekend, uh, which was the saving grace to Bayern Munich, keeping them in first place because the second place team dropped points. Um, Leverskin drew out, so still the same one, two, three. But Dortmund has scooted up from fifth to fourth. Here we go. Uh, with two straight wins now. They've won three of their last five and lost the other two. And then Union Berlin basically dropped that one spot because they drew out. They didn't take a win. So you guys had the same amount of points. They had a goal differential lead and then just, you know, jumped over them. So pretty similar. It hasn't really changed too much. Premier League is almost exactly the same, um, except for now you guys are officially tied with points with Liverpool. So it's 33 points each with your win last week. It puts you right in there in that tie point. Liverpool still got you guys by seven goals in goal differential, and hence why they are still in first place. You have Leicester City in third, Tottenham in fourth, and Manchester City in fifth. And then you have my lovely Newcastle United losing three of their last five, drawing out the other two in 15th place. Yikes, you gotta turn it on. We're getting late into the season for this. So, we talk about a lot of teams that have been plagued with COVID-19 in the world of sports. Newcastle's three top scorers have been out now for three and a half weeks. So... They're coming back soon? Some of them have possibly permanent lung damage is what we're hearing. Um, I know how that goes, okay. Those are just rumors right now, but... If you've been out that long with COVID, it's probably the reason you have some type of lung damage you have to work on. Or so, heart damage. Yeah. So it's a bummer to see that being the case. But Sheffield United still going strong with literally a two-draw situation for the year so far with no wins. So uh, keep it up. Rounding up the bottom. How many points are you away from being in relegation zone? Right now, as it sits, it would be eight points currently. Fulham has 11, and then the next team would be 10 points, West Brom. And how many games do you think it takes to get to eight points? Not many as well. Fulham technically has a game in hand, so... That was a joke from last week. I know. Okay. I was choosing to ignore it. Thank you. (laughs) But Newcastle also has a couple games in hand on some of the league leaders as well, so there's a chance. So So you're saying there's a chance. Yes, there Mm. is. But that's all the sports news I have. I don't know if you have anything else. That's everything. I'm going to go get medicated and take a couple cough drops before we go record our book episode. And maybe play in the snow in the middle because it's still snowing pretty heavily now. So we appreciate you guys giving us a listen this week. Make sure you check out all of the social media, which will be linked in the show notes. And we'll catch you later this week on Thursday with everyone's truly favorite book episode. Thank God. We'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.